to a lack of sleep mostly for most of you. You're worn out from the trip from what I can see and from what you said, but we are glad all of you are here tonight. You know, there's a glare back there I hadn't seen in a while. That's, you know, that's nice, isn't it? Sun's out, time's changed, but uh, tonight we're glad that you're here. I know we still have a lot of our folks uh, trickling back in and uh, we hope that everything went well for you at Lads to Leaders, and we'll say more about that later on. But if you're uh, visiting with us tonight, if you're one of the children, come on down. We're going to have kids sing tonight anyway. We'll start with the books of the Bible. Ready? Genesis, Exodus, Yeah. 
Great job. All right, before we go to class tonight, we have just a, a couple of announcements, points of emphasis that we want to make. First of all, thank you for being here tonight. And uh, we want to certainly welcome back those that are back from lads to leaders. As I said this morning, I've been looking at, at Facebook and seeing all the outstanding work and accomplishments of our youth. And uh, it just makes me proud, you know. I love the church here. And I just think about all the hours and multiplied hours that not only our young people put into it, but their sponsors as well. And I'm just looking forward to hearing more and more about that. And uh, thank you all for the good job. Now, Jack's going to come in just a moment and lead us in our song uh, before our teachers go to class or as they go to class, the song that he led the lads to leaders. So he's going to do that in just a moment. Let me again remind you folks, I don't want to overemphasize it, but it seems like it's hard not to. Our special day coming up on the 29th and 30th. Please do what you can to advertise this. 
very, very important that we get the word out. People need this desperately. And uh, this is something that we can do for our community to help in a very positive way. And I hope you'll take these uh, advertisements uh, with you. You know, friends, take it to your friends at school. Teachers, take them to school with you. Share on social media. Uh, don't uh, underestimate the power of a personal invitation. And uh, we can have a wonderful full house on Saturday and on Sunday. Also, Golden Circle, I want to remind you of the uh, luncheon this coming Tuesday uh, at 11.30. So I'm going to lead us in prayer, and Jack will then come and lead our song. I'll just put the mic up here for you to use, all right? All right, will you bow with me? Our Heavenly Father, thank you so much for the day. We're so thankful for the beauty of it and all the many good things that you do for us on a daily basis. We're thankful for the safety of, uh, the safety of travel for those who uh, went to Little Rock this weekend. We're so thankful for all the participants and all those that directed them and mentored them uh, throughout the process of Lads to Leaders. Uh, we are so thankful for uh, the prognosis and the bright future of the Lord's Church uh, because of our wonderful young people and our youth. We pray that you'll continue to bless them and continue to bless their good families as well, Father. We're mindful of many that are sick, Father, that need our prayers. Please be with each one. Be with those who've lost loved ones. And, Father, please bless us in our Bible study tonight that we'll try to apply what we learn to our lives and be better as a result. These things we ask in Christ's name. Amen. Fountain free, nine oh nine. First and third verses. There's a fountain free for you and me.
unto thee, O Lord. Do I lift up my here tonight, and uh, we want to kind of continue our process on leadership, and uh, me and Ken were talking, and I'm going to deal with some leadership from a different uh, perspective tonight. Uh, I think about a Bible class, and the teacher said, you know, we've been studying about kings and queens in the Bible. Is there any higher power? And one boy just shouted, aces, you know, so I don't know if he, uh, if he got the class or not, but tonight we're going to talk about the higher power and that is Jesus and, uh, his leadership and how he manifested leadership lessons that we can learn from him on how to be effective and how to be successful. I think in any area of life, if we can learn to follow in his steps, then we're certainly going to be better people. And uh, we need to try to emulate, you know, uh, what Jesus would do. We often see that bracelet, what would Jesus do? And I think that's a pretty good sentiment. I think even better is what did Jesus do? We know what Jesus did, and we can look at that uh, from the Bible as well. I think all of us uh, want to be effective in the Lord's work, don't we? You know, we would like to handle the Lord's work in the most successful way that we possibly can. You know, when it comes to our jobs, I think we want to be successful at that, don't we? You know, our personal endeavors in life, maybe you're working on a, a degree of some kind on your education, you want to be successful at that. When it comes to uh, relationships with your family and with your friends, uh, any relationship in, in life, none of us ever wants to be considered a failure. But I hope that's especially true when it comes to doing the Lord's work. You know, the Bible says Jesus set an example that we should follow in his steps. So if you're thinking about, you know, being an elder or a deacon or just an average member of the church. You're a leader in that way. We're to let our light shine. Other people ought to see our good works and glorify our Father in heaven. So it's very important that all of us try to emulate Jesus. But I certainly feel that leadership in the church, if we'll try to follow what Jesus would do and some principles that he lived by, then that's going to really help us. You know, if we're talking to somebody about their soul, uh, if we're talking to an individual about the Lord's church, don't you think we ought to be concerned about doing that in the most effective way we possibly can? I know sometimes that's a fear we have, isn't it? We fear that we'll say the wrong thing and do the wrong thing, and what happens? We don't do anything at all, right, for that kind of fear. You know, you kind of have to put yourself out there if you're going to talk to somebody about the Lord, uh, it may not come just naturally at first, although I think it ought to come naturally after a while. We ought to have such a desire inside of us, like, you know, Paul said, I believed and therefore I spoke 
You know, Paul couldn't keep quiet about his belief in Jesus Christ. And uh, we need to feel the same way. But, you know, when we're talking to somebody about the church, about their soul, about salvation, uh, we want to be successful in doing that. Or, or maybe uh, here's an individual or a family that has allowed things to come between them and God. Maybe the cares of the world. Maybe it's some particular sin. They're no longer faithful to God. You know, they're no longer coming to, to worship. And they don't participate. And we're concerned about them. You know, we don't have to wait for the elders to call us and ask us to go see them or something like that. We don't have to wait for an assignment uh, to go see somebody, you know, whose lives are not right with God. Uh, that's our responsibility. Uh, we are our brother's keeper. Uh, we're to be other person-centered. And, and when I go and talk to somebody about their soul, I want to try to do that in the most effective and successful way I possibly can. And I certainly don't have all the answers as to how that's done. I do know about Jesus Christ. The Bible says the common people heard him gladly, Mark chapter 12 and verse 37. And I think that's important. You know, the common people heard Jesus gladly. And our thoughts really are going to be geared toward the masses and, you know, how we can uh, exemplify effective leadership in not only admonishing one another, but uh, seeking and saving the lost as well. If I can determine what it was that made our Lord so successful in what he did in his work in dealing with people, if I can learn what made him effective and follow him, then I think that's going to make us effective as well. So let me suggest a few things as time permits tonight. Some things we can learn from Jesus about leadership and how we can have and be successful leaders in the home, uh, in the church, or wherever we may be, whatever we're doing. Uh, these principles will apply on the job. I think you can climb the ladder, the corporate ladder, by exemplifying these particular principles as well. Now, may I suggest, first of all, that though Jesus Christ were the King of kings and Lord of lords, even though he was the very Son of God, you think about Philippians and how the Bible talks about, you know, he emptied himself and made himself of no reputation, was made in the likeness of men. I think we fail to understand just what Jesus gave up to come into this world to be our Savior. But in spite of him being king of kings and lord of lords, he still treated all people with respect. And I think that's something that's lacking today in many different areas, isn't it? You know, we see that all around us. I think if we're not careful, there's a generation of young people that are coming along that don't have the respect, let's say, for older folks like they once did. You all seen evidence of that from time to time? Uh, there's been some articles and news stories out about <clears throat> how crime, crime has become more rampant among teenagers. And we've seen in the news about some serious murders that have taken place. And the guilty parties are like 12 and 17 and 19, you know. And uh, it's difficult today and uh, we hardly see it like we used to where people are showing respect for 
older people. But I'm talking about just in general, whether you're talking about the cashier at Walmart or uh, the lady at the post office or whatever you're doing at work, we need to treat all people with respect. Now, the Bible says, uh, I'm convinced that Jesus treated all people with respect. He understood Matthew chapter 1 and verse 21, where the Bible says that every man is made in the image of God. That means the, the homeless person on the street that looks like we just can't even begin to think about what they've been through. Maybe they don't smell too good. It's obvious their clothes have been worn again and again and again without being washed. And, you know, we don't look down our noses at people, but we treat them with respect. Now, the Bible says about Jesus in uh, 1 Peter 2, verse 23, who, when he was reviled, reviled not again. When he suffered, he threatened not, but committed himself to him who judgeth righteously. Now, sometimes, you know, if we don't get our way, we're ready to let somebody know about that, aren't we? We're ready to, you know, to give them two cents about what's going on. We sometimes don't treat people with respect if things aren't going the way we want them to go. But we need to learn, like Jesus, to treat all people with respect, regardless of how they may treat us. And Jesus treated people with respect, even though they might not have treated him in that way. And I think that's a secret we need to learn today. We need to be the kind of people that when we encounter other, others on the job or wherever, we always treat people with respect. And I think it's true. If you treat others with respect, what are they going to do? They'll, they'll probably return that respect to you as well. And so our Lord was not one that went around showing partiality. He didn't play favorites. He didn't go around, you know, forming various cliques of people to follow him. I think about over in the book of James, a very practical, everyday book on Christian living. Uh, James chapter 2 and verse 1, James gave a warning, My brethren, have not the faith of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Lord of glory, with respect of persons, or showing partiality. Gives an example. If there comes somebody into your assembly that has a gold ring and goodly apparel... I mean, he's dressed nice. He's obviously somebody of renown. But then there comes into your assembly a poor man in vile raiment, and you show partiality unto him that wears the good clothing, and you say to him, you know, sit here in a good place, and you show him a lot of attention, and you shower him uh, with a lot of attention, but you say to the poor, you know, there's a place for you to stand over there in the corner. You know, I might talk to you if I have to, but other than that, you know, the quicker you can leave, the better off things will be, you know. Uh, you know, we can't treat people like that. Uh, the president is no better than the homeless person on the street. All people have been created in the image of God. And then he goes on to say, uh, when we treat people that way, he says, are you not partial in yourselves and become judges of evil thoughts? So if we're not careful, we are tempted to treat people by the way they look, aren't we? By the way they dress, by the clothes that they wear, by their appearance. Uh, you know, the Lord warned us, don't look on the outward appearance, but be like God who looks on the inside. 
You know, God knows the heart. God knows the inside. And we ought not be judges of outward appearance. Now, our Lord did not show partiality to other people. I think about one of the greatest compliments our Lord ever received over in Luke 15 and verse 2. Now, it was meant as a stark criticism. The Pharisees and scribes murmured, saying about Jesus, this man receives sinners and he eats with them. Now, boy, they thought they were being so critical of our Lord. Here he is. He claims to be the son of God and he is receiving sinners. He's eating with what we consider the scum of the earth. You know, we won't even give them the time of day. We won't even look at them. And Jesus is eating with them. But you know, that stern criticism was actually a great compliment paid to Jesus Christ. It was an inadvertent compliment. They meant to criticize our Lord by saying that, but they actually complimented him because he was willing to fellowship and associate uh, with those that would be considered by most people to be a lower class. And so Jesus Christ did everything he could to save all that he could. You know, we read in John chapter 4 about Jesus taking a lot of time with that Samaritan woman. Now keep in mind that women were not esteemed very highly in that day and time, and in particular, Samaritan women. In fact, a devout Jewish man might pray, God, thank, God I thank you, I'm not a Gentile, that I am not a woman or a Samaritan. Now, see, women were denigrated back in that particular time. We, th we are thankful that's changed. But Jesus showed that he was not one that had partiality because he taught the greatest lesson on worship that's ever been taught to this one Samaritan woman. Now, this wasn't just a Samaritan woman. She was an immoral woman. She had been married five <clears throat> different times. Now, we've already shut the door on her already, right? Uh, not only had she been married five different times, but the man that she was living with at the time was not even her husband. And yet, this entire lesson of our Lord was given to this one Samaritan woman. And so I'm saying tonight, if I want to be effective, if I want to be an effective leader, uh, in the church or wherever I'm, I'm at, I've got to start treating people with respect. I don't need to look down my nose at other people. And if those that are in our family, you know, our relatives, if our neighbors, if our coworkers, if those that are unfaithful, if those who are outside of Christ know that we respect them for what they are as human beings, then they're going to be a lot more receptive to what we have to say. In other words, we need to treat everybody like somebody. Treat everybody like somebody. And I know that's hard to do because of our human nature, but it's something we need to strive to do. Let me suggest secondly, I guess this is on the screen. Uh, Jesus, I think, was extremely effective and accomplished so much because... He spoke with such plainness and simplicity. Anybody that listened to our Lord understood what he was saying. You ever been talking to somebody about 
some particular topic and you think that's just as clear as mud. I don't understand a word that person said. You know, that's how I was in geometry, by the way. You know, it, it was a fog, continual fog for me. Uh, I still tell people I've never used geometry till this day. You know, they always said I'd use everything. I still, I probably have, just didn't know it, right? But, you know, uh, geometry never was really that clear to me. I woke up one night at three in the morning with a vision of a formula, and uh, I was able to do a pretty good job in geometry the rest of the year after that. Just clicked in the middle of the night, something did. But anyhow, uh, in our conversations with other people and talking to people, we need to try to be simple in our approach. And uh, I know there are scholars today that thought Jesus Christ was far too elementary in his approach, but it wasn't the goal of Jesus to try to impress somebody else by his eloquent speech. Uh, you didn't need a dictionary. You didn't need a book of synonyms to understand what the Lord was trying to say. Anybody could understand what the Lord was saying. And I'm afraid sometimes, you know, there's some preachers that may have missed that point. Uh, sometimes, you know, there are those that speak and preach that try to be real flashy. They try to be real theological, maybe, you know, have a certain air about them. Uh, you know, they try to be real dynamic in their vocabulary. Uh, maybe you've known of people when they begin to pray publicly, they all of a sudden begin to change their voice and sound so pious and so holy and so sanctimonious. But, you know, that kind of thing really wasn't a part of the conduct of Jesus. He was just as simple and plain and down to earth as anybody possibly could. You know, this idea, you know, of trying to have an air and put on a show to be seen of men, you know, like those Pharisees were guilty of doing, that immediately turns off uh, the common people. You know, I think about over in Matthew chapter 13, how that entire chapter there expresses truths, great truths, in a way that anybody can understand it. For example, those words... Behold, a sower went forth to sow. You know, anybody that heard those words knew exactly what the Lord was talking about. Verse 4, you know, when he sowed, some fell by the wayside. Some seeds fell by the stony places. Some fell on the thorny ground. Others fell on the good ground. People could understand the Lord was talking about the hearts of men into which God's word calls individuals. Or in verse 31, the kingdom of heaven is like a, a grain of mustard seed, which a man took and sowed in his field. Jesus says it's the smallest of all seeds, but it grows into a large tree. He said, you know, the kingdom of God is like that. It starts out so very small, just like that grain of mustard seed, and then it grows and grows and becomes great. Or in verse 33, the kingdom of heaven is likened to leaven, which a woman took and hid in three measures of meal till the whole was leavened. Here he's talking about how the kingdom of God can change people from the inside out. And in that same chapter, he talked about the kingdom of heaven, you know, being like a net cast into the sea and brings forth of every kind. Here he's talking about the different kinds of nature, the different kinds of people that compose the kingdom of God. 
You see, our Lord was very effective because he made things so very simple. And I'm convinced when we're trying to do personal work, talk to people about their soul, the very least that we can say, the better off we are. I think we need to work and labor to make things simple. I've always believed that, you know, whenever I preach and teach, if I can, I'm a simple-minded person, right? So if I understand what I'm saying, you ought to be able to get it. You're the one that's got problems if you don't get it. Because if I understand it and you can't, you're in trouble, you know. But uh, anyhow, the Lord worked and labored to make things simple. And we need to try to make things so simple a little child can understand. And I think that needs to be true in area, every area of life. I think when it comes to our convictions about the Bible and the Word of God and doctrine, I ought to be able to write anything I believe about any subject on a postcard and still have enough room to write, Grandma, I love you. Okay? Things ought not to be difficult. We need to work and labor to make things simple. And I think our Lord did that. Next, though, there's no doubt in my mind that our Lord was very effective because he genuinely cared about other people. Now, you know what that looks like, don't you, when you see people that genuinely care about other people? I mean, they serve, they do anything that they can. You know, we're worried about being inconvenienced today. I'll be honest with you. You know, sometimes I'm just plain old selfish, you know. We're so concerned about my space and my time and what I want to do and how this is going to impact me, you know. We just don't like to be inconvenienced. But you knew that Jesus genuinely cared about people. He was willing to take the time, no matter what else was going on, to demonstrate his love and concern from them, for them. He was genuinely concerned about their well-being. In Matthew chapter 8, Jesus said, I have compassion on the multitude. There in uh, John chapter 11, we read the story about how Lazarus had died. We find the shortest verse in all the Bible, John eleven thirty five. 35. It says, Jesus wept. It wasn't just the trickling of tears. This is a bitter cry of intense compassion. Even though he knew what he was about to do, he still felt great sympathy and compassion for those that had lost loved ones. In John chapter 8, there was a woman taken in the act of adultery. The Bible says she was caught in the very act. And the people brought her to the Lord saying, you know, this man was caught, this woman was caught in adultery, uh, the very act. Moses said, you know, such an one should be stoned. What do you say about it, Lord? Now, the Lord knew their hearts and he could see that they weren't really concerned about what Moses said. Moses said, you got to bring the man too. You know, he could tell they weren't concerned at all about what Moses said. He could see that their own lives were not right. He just simply said, let he who is without sin among you cast the first stone. Now, we need to understand the Lord didn't condone her adultery. He didn't condone her sinful activity in any way. He told her to go and sin no more. But the Lord genuinely cared about the well-being of this woman. 
Even though the rest of them were ready to kill her and stone her, he was concerned and he showed care for the well-being of this immoral woman. And I don't know how this woman ended up in her life. I think probably this made a profound impact. Maybe she changed her ways completely. I would like to think she did. I think about Jesus healing those that were sick. He helped those that were in need. You know, in every endeavor of life, and especially as we work for the Lord, we need to try to let people know how much we care about them. You know, my dad always told me from the time that I was little, people don't care how much you know until they know how much you care. And I think there's a lot of truth in that. We've heard that uh, phrase quite a bit. But it's, it's a great truth to understand. If somebody knows that I genuinely care about them and I care about the things that they care about and uh, I'm not going uh, to them with a pious attitude and you know, kind of talking down my nose at them, you know, show, showing little concern for what you know, they're concerned about, if people know that we really care about them and that I'm concerned about them, then they're going to be a lot more receptive uh, to what we have to say. And, you know, we, in fact, can say some very hard and difficult things to people if we say it with the right attitude. And so if I'm going to be an effective leader, I have to learn to genuinely care about other people. And that, there's no doubt that's why our Lord accomplished so much. You know, there were his disciples. They were really criticizing the little children for you know, bothering the Lord. And uh, they were condemning the Lord and others for <clears throat> allowing those children to take up the Lord's precious time. And what did Jesus say? He said, suffer the little children to come unto me and forbid them not, for such is the kingdom of heaven. If you want to know what heaven's like, you want to know what the recipients of, uh, recipients of heaven are like, you know, take some time with children. Talk to them and enjoy them. Uh, Jesus said, of such is the kingdom of heaven. There was nobody that was too insignificant. There was nobody too poor. There was nobody that was too much of an outcast, but that Jesus Christ cared for them. And when we, in our daily lives, as we go about, you know, working for the Lord, as we ought to be doing, no matter what else we're doing, if people know that we care for them, then I think they're going to respond in a positive way. And especially is that going to be true, you know, in the Lord's church as we try to, you know, do our jobs, maybe as elders or deacons or whatever the case may be. Let me go on real quick, though. The Lord was also effective, I think, because he really tried to meet the needs of people. Now, I, I know the Lord was far superior to that than we are. The Lord could look at somebody's heart and know exactly what was in it. He knew exactly what was wrong. You know, when the rich young ruler came running to Jesus and said, Good master, what must I do to inherit eternal life? You know, Jesus told him, you know, there's no person good but God. But, you know, if you will enter into life, keep the commandments. He said, which ones? And, you know, Jesus named some. Don't kill, don't steal, don't murder on your father and mother. The young man said, all these things have I done from my youth up. What a terrific young man. High moral standards. And yet Jesus knew what his problem was. 
That's why he told them, him to go and sell what he had, give to the poor, and come and follow me. Now, we can't do that today. I don't know what's in a person's heart. I don't know if a person is sincere uh, sometimes. You know, maybe they're just saying what they think that I want to hear to get me off their back. But Jesus knew the hearts of people and tried to meet those needs. And we need to do that as well. You know, the Lord did everything he could to, to make life enjoyable for people. Remember those words of John 10, verse 10? I come that they might have life and what? Have it more abundantly. I'm the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes to the Father but by me. Jesus said, you follow me and I'll make you fishers of men. And so the Lord was the kind of individual that wanted to give people the things that they yearn for, the peace and joy in their lives. In fact, uh, he said in John 16, these things have I spoken to you that you might have peace. In the world, you have tribulation, but be good cheer. I have overcome the world. Brethren, if we'll stop and just think about what we can do to meet the needs of people, then I think people are going to listen to us. Now think about those that you work with today. Maybe those that are friends of some of our young people. You think about families that are disintegrating. Uh, we see families today that they're just not what they need to be and ought to be. Uh, we see the terrible situation that, that takes place in the home life of a lot of people. Now, we need to be the kind of people that can meet the needs like that. They need to see in us somebody they can come to and maybe ask questions about you know, how they can be a better father or mother, what they can do to strengthen their family. I think people down deep want to be a good father and mother. How can we help them do that? How can we help people to be truly happy in life? You know, I'm not going to just harp on the advertisement again, but this thing we're having at the end of April, there's some answers there that people are, are going to have about what needs to be done to make their families successful and to strengthen those families and to guard their families from all the evil and corruption that's in our world today. And so these are some needs that people have. You know, we have the food pantry and clothes closet every second and third uh, Thursdays. And man, it just breaks my heart sometimes to, to see how families and the, the situations that individuals find themselves in because of bad choices. And, you know, they're looking for an answer. They're looking for an answer to some of these problems. And, you know, we can help them with that. We can help them with that. And we can meet those needs. And if we can appeal to meeting people, their underlying needs, then I think they're going to listen to what we have to say. Always remember, I'm just a nobody telling anybody about somebody that can save everybody. I'm just a nobody telling somebody or telling anybody about somebody that can save everybody. I don't know if I got that straight or not, but you can figure it out on your own. But uh, we need to try to meet the needs of people. Let me also uh, talk about too, before we dismiss tonight, Jesus was also effective because he spoke with conviction. How convicted are we today? 
about what we believe. Why do you believe what you believe? Do you believe what you believe religiously because that's what your parents taught you? You know, a lot of people that are members of denominational churches, if you ask them, you know, why are you what you are religiously? Well, they'll say, well, my parents were that, my grandparents were that, and my great-grandparents were that. You know, it's just a handed-down religion. They've never really taken the time to study the Scriptures to see if what they believe is true according to God's Word. And if we're not careful, we in the church can be the same way. There's some people in the church today that really don't know why they believe what they believe. You know, Peter talks about how we need to be ready to give an answer to every man that asks a reason for the hope that's in us with meekness and fear. And uh, Jesus spoke with conviction. He would say things that needed to be said, and he would do so without apology. In Matthew 7 and verse 28, it came to pass when Jesus had ended these sayings that the people were astonished at his doctrine, his teaching. Why? Because he taught them as one having authority and not as the scribes. You knew what Jesus was saying when he got through. And when we today can speak with confidence and assurance, not with arrogance, but when we can speak with conviction, we know whereof we stand and why we stand there, then I think people are going to listen to us. But I can't help but think about uh, us in some situations. Maybe somebody tells us, you know, in the church something that they've done that's wrong or maybe wrong, and they ask us, do you think so-and-so is wrong? Do you think this is wrong or that's wrong? And many times we just start stuttering and stammering and we just don't have enough conviction to tell them, yes, this is wrong, and give them the answer as to why. Now, we haven't got to be ugly about anything. We haven't got to be rude about any subject. But brethren, we need to talk to people with conviction. We need to realize, as we say in our kids' scene class, right's always right and wrong's always wrong, right? And uh, we need to understand what we believe and why we believe it. Uh, some, I, I get asked the question quite often, what does the Church of Christ teach on this subject? And I always say, not anything in the world. The Church of Christ has no official doctrine. We have no official teaching about any subject. We only go by what the Bible says. So let's talk about what the Bible says. And uh, that's what we are to do. So there's no uh, official Church of Christ doctrine or Church of Christ stance. We believe in what the Bible says and only what the Bible says and that's what we're going to teach and that's what we're going to ask you to obey. And uh, we're not going to convert the, the world as long as we're willing to compromise our convictions. I think one reason why people were so amazed at the Lord is because he taught them as one having authority. He didn't get up, he didn't compromise to make people feel good. All right, one final thought. I think I got time to handle this tonight that made our Lord effective. I think it will make us effective as leaders. Jesus lived that which he taught. He practiced what he preached. Now, you may be familiar with Acts 1 and verse 1 where the writer begins, the former treatise, Have I made, O Theophilus, 
of all that Jesus began both to do and to teach. Jesus did before he taught. He practiced before he preached. And when people can see in us that we're genuinely trying to be consistent in what we teach and what we preach, we're trying to live it out in our lives, then they're going to be much more inclined to listen to what we have to say. You know, we ought not be like the little boy that finally came to Sunday school one day and everybody was happy to see him. He went to his Bible class. The teacher taught a great lesson on seeking first the kingdom of God. And man, he was so excited. He was going to come back Sunday night. And he did. And he, he asked, you know, where's Miss So-and-so, my teacher this morning? Well, somebody said, well, she hardly ever comes on Sunday night. But, but she said, seek first the kingdom of God. The little boy didn't come back. See, we've got to teach and preach the right things, but we have to practice the right things as well. Our Lord was consistent in what he did. In Matthew 6 and verse 9, our Lord taught people to pray. Did our Lord pray? Yes, he spent all night in prayer to God. I don't know how in the world you do that. Pray. I can't talk to anybody for that long. You know, I remember my, my wife over here, her folks are in California, her and her sister and mom, they talk all night long. I ain't spoke that much to my parents in all my life, you know. You know, what do you say to somebody, you know, in that long of a conversation? You know, uh, if I have a, a meeting with you, I'm going to get to the point here. Let's get it done, you know, and let's go to the house, you know. But, you know, Jesus taught us to pray the necessity of prayer to God. And yet he was one that was willing to do it. He spent all night in prayer to God. He didn't tell others what he himself was not willing to do. In John 13, 35, he said, men ought to love one another. But did our Lord love? He loved the church so much, he did what? He gave himself for it, Ephesians 5 and verse 25. In Matthew 18, 2 and 3, our Lord taught the importance of being humble. And here he is, the King of kings and Lord of lords, and yet... Did our Lord not manifest great humility when he shocked the daylights out of those apostles and took a towel and a basin of water and washed the feet of those disciples? They didn't know what to do. What in the world are you doing, Lord? Jesus said, you know, if I, your Lord and Master, wash your feet, what should you do? You ought to wash one another's feet. Uh, our Lord taught people to forgive. He said, you need to forgive one another. He said, if you forgive not men their trespasses, your heavenly Father's not going to forgive you your trespasses. That's what our Lord taught. But did he practice that? Well, there on the old rugged cross suspended between heaven and earth, he looked down and said, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. Jesus Christ wasn't willing to tell anybody anything that he wasn't willing to do himself. And we need to do that today. That's the hard part. It's hard to be consistent in living what we teach. And we're not going to be perfect by any stretch. But we can put forth the effort. Jesus said, why, do you call, why call you me Lord, Lord, Luke 6, 46, and do not the things which I say? You know, do we call on the Lord? as such, but we don't obey what he says. Now, I'm convinced that these are the things 
And we could go into a lot more detail tonight, probably bring up some more points about some things that our Lord did that made him such an effective and profound and powerful spiritual leader. And I think we can follow in his steps and we can have that same kind of impact. We need to treat people with respect, no matter who they are, no matter what their background is. We also need to speak plainly where people can really understand what we're saying. We also need to demonstrate genuine care for all people that we talk to. And we need to strive to meet the needs of those that we encounter. We can meet those needs with the gospel and with the words of Jesus. And we also need to speak with conviction. I need to know what I believe and why I believe it. And then, of course, I need to try to live each day that which I try to teach. I think about a group of men one time that were having a discussion about which you know, version of the Bible do you use and, and, and which version of the Bible do you like? Somebody said, well, you know, I like this translation. And then another man spoke up. He said, well, I like this translation. And another gave his input. And finally, one young man spoke up and I, he said, I like my mother's version. She lives what she teaches. And so his point was made. We need to live and as God would have us to live each day. All right, any questions or comments or observations that y'all want to make? I know some of you are about to collapse. You know, you've been gone and wore yourself out on lads to leaders and you're ready to get to the house. Anything else y'all want to add or, or ask or point out? Well, I want to thank y'all for listening. I appreciate your attentiveness tonight. And why don't we uh, close out with a prayer? Our Heavenly Father, for this beautiful day you blessed us with, we are thankful and grateful. We know that every good thing comes from you, and without you, we would be absolutely nothing. Father, we pray that each one of us here tonight can uh, put forth the effort to emulate your Son and what we do and how we live our lives. May we try to follow those principles that he followed that will make us successful and effective in bringing uh, the loss to you, Father. Again, Father, so many that are sick that need our prayers, we, we pray for each one. We also pray for those who continue to grieve over the loss of loved ones. Father, continue to bless this wonderful church here at Boonville. We're thankful for all the good that's being accomplished, and we pray that, that we can be effective in standing against the wiles of the devil, and we can continue to allow uh, our light to shine so that you may be glorified. These things we ask in your son's name. Amen.